0: Uh, Today is MYF Sunday and we want to thank all the youth who uh, led in worship, read scripture and also for the entertaining video that was shown just now about their experience of doing MYF online. I've definitely experienced some of those things that they experienced so I can identify. Let's come to the Lord in prayer and let's pray. Speak, O Lord. May we hear your words of truth. May it convict our hearts. And may we apply all that we learn. May I be faithful, Lord, to the preaching of your word. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever discovered something that changed everything? Have you ever discovered something that changed everything? Back in 2012, I got my first real smartphone, And this was an iPhone 4S, which was a hand-me-down from my sister. And on that phone, I discovered an app that is very popular nowadays. And this app is called Waze. Now, I need to explain something. My sense of direction is absolutely horrible. I'm the type that needs to drive to the same place using the same road five thousand times before I can remember how to get there. You can ask my wife, you can ask any members of my family, you can ask my friends, those who know me well enough, they can say yes. This guy is hopeless in directions. Uh, If I'm not driving, I can make the same trip 20 million times and have no idea how to get there. I'm that kind of person. And I remember back in KL, I had to do a group assignment in college and we met up somewhere to do it. I think it was KLCC. Uh, and after the the assignment was done, my friend offered to send me back home. I stayed relatively near uh, KLCC, the the KL Twin Towers. And so he said, "Okay, since it's so near, let me let me send you back." And so, all right. But the problem was, when we got into his car, and we we got our parking and all that. I had no idea of how to direct him to my house, and uh, I, I said, hmm, I, I, I think turn here, la. and then he's like, you think, ah? <laughs> uh, I, I think turn there, la. and then he, he just tried and follow, in the end, I ended up directing him really deep into some kampung somewhere, uh, I have no idea where we were, and I felt so bad, we were so lost, in the end, I told him, okay, you, you look up above the kampung, kampung houses, the roofs. You, you look into the sky, uh, you see those two beams of light there, the Twin Towers, uh, you just head in that general direction. And so that's what he did, and thank God, miraculously, we managed, I, I managed to get home. He never gave me a lift ever again. And so when I moved to Penang in 2011, I tell you I got lost in town so many times because of the one-way traffic, you know, if you made a wrong turn, you can't just U-turn, Uh, So I basically, I think I made the wrong turn at least four times in a row, uh, or probably six times, and I just kept going around in circles uh, without knowing where I was. I have many other driving horror stories to share, but too long, uh, we'll be here forever. But discovering ways changed everything for me, and so I preached the gospel of ways. I used to feel paralysing fear and despair every time I had to go uh, somewhere that I was not familiar with, every time I had to drive somewhere. And now, because of ways, I now have the confidence to know exactly where I want to go and how to get there. Now, in today's passage, uh, and today's passage is from uh, our Own 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today's passage is from Thursday. Now, we read of Hilkiah the priest And he discovers the book of the law of the Lord. And this was an amazing discovery that changed everything for King Josiah and the kingdom of Judah. And the big idea of today's message is that truth convicts and invites a response. Okay, Truth convicts and invites a response. Let's have a quick look at the background for today's passage. Now, the past month we've been reading about all these different kings of Israel, uh, beginning with Saul and David, Solomon, and then the, the kingdom was split. It divided into north and south. Uh, northern kingdom of Israel under Jeroboam and southern kingdom of Judah under Rehoboam. And so, where are we in today's passage, First, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 34? We are now over 80 years. Since Samaria, the the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, since Samaria was destroyed, okay, so Samaria, the the northern capital, was destroyed 80 years later. This is where we are now, okay. Uh, Most of Israel, at that point, when Samaria was destroyed, was deported to Assyria. This is the first exile, the first major milestone of Israel's history, Uh, so Right now, 80 years later, it's mainly the southern kingdom of Judah remaining, plus a few you know, northern kingdom people scattered here and there in the towns. Now It's also a period of world, transition, uh, world power transition from Assyria, which was the world power. Now this is the period of transition over to Babylon, the next upcoming world power. And that's also happening in the background. This is also the period of the prophets Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Jeremiah. So their prophecy is around this time as well. Also, the second exile is just around the corner. And when the second exile happens, that's when it's Judah's turn to be taken into captivity, this time by Babylon. And this will happen 22 years after King Josiah dies. So just keep all this in mind roughly around this time. Now, King Josiah, had, uh, he, he has the honor of being one of the few kings who both started and also ended well. He became king at the age of eight. He started seeking God at 16 years old. And as a result, when he was 20, he began tearing down other places of worship. Many, many types of idol uh, worship places that Judah and even Israel had set up uh, Even in the temple of the Lord, he got rid of them. And in seeking the Lord, he didn't just tear down these these idolatrous places of worship. At age 26, he began repairing the temple. And the temple had been so badly uh, treated during his grandfather Manasseh's time. Uh, Manasseh was the, the one who brought other idols into the temple, led the people into all kinds of things that caused God one to uh, finally bring judgment on Judah in the of the second exile. And so it was the process of Josiah repairing the temple in their, their spring cleaning and in their fixing and all that, it was in all of that that they found the book of the law. When the book of the law was found, Hilkiah gave it to Shaphan, the royal secretary or the scribe, to take it to King Josiah to read to him. Now, what was this book of the law? Now, some scholars believe that it is the entire Torah, okay, so the the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but most scholars believe it's just Deuteronomy. More specifically, at least Deuteronomy chapter 28 was read to King Josiah that part that contains the the covenant of blessings for obedience and uh, the covenant of curses for disobedience. And so, how did this book of the law get lost in the first place? Well, remember how I spoke about oral tradition uh, a couple of sermons back. Most people couldn't read. Uh, The priests usually did the teaching. Okay, They spoke, the people heard. That's how they learned. So copies of the law would have been made, yes, by the scribes. But they would have been rare, okay, because it's not easy to copy things by hand. They had no, no photocopy and none of that. And this was all easily lost because it is now 50 years since King Hezekiah was in power. King Hezekiah was the last good king, goodish king, right? Uh The last time that Judah followed the Lord, 50 years later, don't know where all these books and, and uh, scrolls, Went already. And so the kings, after Hezekiah, especially Manasseh, uh, turned the whole temple upside down, and so the book of the law would have been easily lost or maybe hidden by one of the priests to preserve it. And so, can you imagine? No written reference to the law of God. Uh, Maybe just some oral tradition uh, of don't commit uh, idolatry. Maybe that was passed down the years. <laughs> Maybe that's why Josiah uh, knew to go and destroy all the other idolatrous places. Now, how do we know that the spiritual state of Judah was this bad at that time? Well, just look at King Josiah's reaction. When he hears the law of the Lord being read to him, he, he doesn't just jump out of his seat. He tears his robe. Okay, he <clears throat> like, like, the Hulk or Superman. Okay, that's something that they used to do back then uh, as an expression of, Ah, I am so d- distressed. <laughs> or, I am in such great anguish. So I must, uh, my, my clothes represent my heart. Okay, something like that. Huh? And so it is basically a very, very strong reaction. And so Josiah had this very strong reaction when he heard the words of the law of the Lord. Now, let's have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 to 19. And this, this passage is talking about what every Israelite king should do. Okay? And it says, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, so the king, when the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, Deuteronomy, eh, taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him. And he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. Uh, as we can see from Josiah's reaction, this obviously has not been happening. Okay? Uh, I won't be surprised if it had not been happening since the kingdom split after Solomon's time. So remember my horrible driving experience Uh, without a reliable source, like ways to give proper directions. This is how the people were living, at least for 50 years, if not longer. Now that's at least one entire generation of people who never knew the law of the Lord. Now remember God's covenant, blessings for obedience to the law, curses for disobedience to the law. And the law is not just selectively applied to those who know it, it, it applies to all. And this is why the kings were, were held so accountable for their faithfulness or unfaithfulness, because their actions led the entire people into faithfulness or unfaithfulness. God, in His grace, He would send prophets uh, who would warn the people, tell them what God's will was. But other than Jonah, the, the, the messages of the prophets usually fell on deaf ears, and the people never listened. And so now you can see why the ultimate curse of the exile that happened to Israel and was going later to happen to Judah, uh, why it was so bad. Because they, they mainly didn't even know what God's will was. Especially if they ignored the prophets. They, they couldn't obey the Lord because they didn't even know what He wanted. They didn't know His law. Friends, how well do you know god's will how well do you know god's will i remember when i first became a christian back in an myf camp when i was 19 there were some immediate changes in my life yes uh, i knew some things were wrong some things were right and so you know i i automatically after becoming a christian i wanted to do those things that were right i didn't want to do those things that were wrong Uh, I had a rough idea of God's will from what little church that I had attended. And uh, I also knew the golden rule. Okay, do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Okay, so if you want people to be polite to you, you'll be polite to them. Okay, so roughly I knew that sort of stuff about God's will. But I also remember one incident when I was helping to plan uh, the games for an M Y F camp the next year after I became a Christian. Okay, still a young Christian. I don't know why they let me plan games. Uh, But that's what happened. You see, I had a problem. As a new Christian, I didn't know what God's will was in one of the elements of uh, one of the games that I designed. Uh, I don't want to go into details, but it was an absolute disaster. Uh, I not kau kau from the, the youth counselors after the camp. Uh, I, I'm sure many of you can identify with this, this idea of roughly knowing God's will, but not really knowing all of it, right? Uh, not just the youth, but even those who are older. When you're pretty clear about what God wants or doesn't want, what He likes or what He doesn't like, but some areas you just no clue, it doesn't even occur to you. Uh, especially if it's not very black and white, and you're just not sure what God's will is. Well, if you're nodding and you're thinking, yes, uh, that's me sometimes, then my question to you is, what are you doing to discover God's will? What are you doing to discover God's will? I just want to quickly suggest three quick steps that we can learn from the early life of King Josiah. And the first step is to seek the Lord. Okay? Set your heart on wanting to discover more of who he is and what he wants. Okay, so we saw that Josiah sought the Lord in, in 2 Chronicles 34 verse 3. Uh, another way to, to put it is to be a person after his heart, after God's heart. Okay? Uh, seek the Lord, actually desire, want to please God, and want to know what God's will is. If you don't actually care, or you don't actually want to know God more, then anything you do with Him or for Him will be forced, it will be reluctant, it will usually just result in a lot of guilt. Guilt. Okay, so step one, seek the Lord. Step two, get rid of the idols. Okay, so we saw Josiah 2 Chronicles 34 uh, verses 3 to 7. uh, He destroyed all the idols. So destroy the, get rid of the idols in your life. Remove the things that are in the way of your relationship with God. It can be a sin, it can be an attitude, it can be a hobby, it can be a relationship you don't have to literally grind it to dust and, and burn it in fire or that sort of thing. But make, uh, make the necessary adjustments to make sure that it becomes less important than God to you. Step three is repair the temple, okay? like what Josiah did. Work on your relationship with God. Set the time, set the places, set the ways in which you can meet with God in prayer. The ways you can worship Him, the ways you can study His Word, the way you can, the ways you can fellowship with others who also seek Him. Repair the temple, improve your relationship with God. Now, if you follow these step one, two, three, I'm not going to promise that you will uh, automatically know God's will. Okay, you suddenly receive SMS. Okay. Uh, like, like what the government's doing to us. Huh? I, I'm not promising that God will send you SMS telling you exactly what to do, how to, uh, what job to take, uh, which, how to treat this person, and that sort of thing. But if you continue on that journey of seeking the Lord, getting rid of the idols in your life, and repairing the temple of your relationship with Him, you are going to be a lot clearer on what to do with or without clear or direct answers from God. You will know God so well that you actually already know His will, even if He doesn't actually uh, directly tell you exactly what to do. Now let's look at the second point, being convicted by truth. When Shafan the secretary, read the book of the law to King Josiah, we saw his very strong reaction. Psh, okay, He tore his clothes. Now, what does this reaction tell us about his response? other than the fact that he had never heard these words before. It tells us that he was convicted by the truth of what was read. Listen to Deuteronomy verses uh, chapter 28, verses 49 to 52, uh, which is likely what would have been read to Josiah. This is under the covenantal curses for disobeying the Lord, what will happen. It says, The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, From the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you will not understand, a fierce looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. They will will devour the young of your livestock and the crops of your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, new wine, or olive oil, nor any calves of your herds or lambs of your flocks until you are ruined. They will lay siege to all the cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust down. They will besiege all the cities throughout the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, all this had already happened to the northern kingdom 80 years ago. Okay, so imagine Josiah hearing these words and he knows what happened to the northern kingdom 80 years ago. Josiah recognized the law to be true he recognized that it applied to him and his people. He didn't try to make excuses. He didn't try to downplay it or deny it and say, eh, we didn't have the law, lah. how can you hold us accountable? No, he accepted the, Lord, the Lord's word as truth, what it said about him, what it said about his people, and he realized that they were indeed deserving of the curses according to the law. I mentioned earlier about becoming a Christian in an MIF camp And I can vividly remember the words of the preacher and the workshop speaker, uh, everything that they said, feeling like waves of truth washing over me. And I was just, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes, exactly, yes, yes. If I had my Christian lingo back then, I would have gone, amen, brother, hallelujah, you know, that sort of thing. And I knew that God truly loved me. I knew that I was a sinner in need of forgiveness. I knew that God could redeem my life. And He did. He did do those things. Do you remember the last time that God convicted you with the truth of His Word? Do you remember the last time you were convicted by the truth of God's Word? It doesn't always have to be about sin. It can be about uh, God's majesty, realizing how majestic and how awesome He is. It can be about realizing how utterly dependent we are and how, how uh, worthless we are without Him. Have you, do you remember the last time you were convicted by God's Word? Well, we can know these things, but conviction is more than just agreeing to information. It is a sure and certain belief that, yes, this is true. Yes, this applies to me. Uh, we live in an age where there's no lack of things to keep us busy. We were just forced, uh, all of us, we were just forced to spend three months at home. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, even though we couldn't go out, all of us, or at least most of us, we would have been able to say that we had no lack of things to keep busy with. Uh, I, I had to walk my dogs to, to get them to pee and poo, right? Uh, made chocolate brownie and, and lemonade. Uh, and as we, I walked my dogs to... I didn't, I didn't break MCO, lah, okay? I, I walked them very near my house there. Uh, nobody else there. As, we, as I pass by the house, some of the houses, I can hear people practicing piano, okay? One kid was practicing the same piece every single time I walked my dog. It's the same piece. The parents probably went crazy already. Uh, I saw somebody rebuilding their wall, literally. I think it was their maid. I think they got their maid to rebuild their wall. Uh, my neighbor painted their fence. And so that w- whether it's chores or, or cooking or TV or reading or working from home or ministry, there was no shortage of things to do. For most of us, even during MCO, it was a case of one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And the thing about moving from one thing to the next and to the next is that there is often a lack of introspection. Uh, We we don't have time to look at ourselves. And that's why we put these reflection questions in the sermon, uh, after the sermon. And also we encourage further discussion in small groups because it's too easy to go through our Christian life without stopping to think, is this true for me? Or do I really believe this? And if I do really believe this, why isn't my behaviour matching up with my beliefs? And so on. So friends, I challenge you, if you're someone going from one thing to the next and to the next and to the next, schedule into your calendar in the coming weeks or the coming months, schedule time, spend extended time reflecting and examining yourself. Now, ordinarily, I would encourage silent retreats organized by Trex Institute for Christian Ministry, uh, ICM. Uh, you spend a weekend away with God in some nice cooling place like Fraser's Hill, that sort of thing. But right now, not really an option. But what they have done is they've produced a DIY guide for a half-day retreat. Okay, so I, I'm trying to get them to, to put a link, okay? A link should pop up in the chat, uh, or or you can just go to this link uh, on on the screen uh, to download this guide of how to do this DIY half-day retreat, okay? Just go to this link, tinyurl.com slash ICMDIYRetreat, one word. Now, if you download that link, uh, you download that guide, you can just take half a day, go somewhere alone where you won't be distracted or disturbed, spend some time with God, reflect on your life. Keep your eyes open for where and how he is convicting you. Now the truth of God's word doesn't stop with conviction. It invites a response. And in the case of Josiah, his response was humble repentance. 2 Chronicles uh, 30 verse, chapter 34, verse 27 says, Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against his place and his people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now, the actual Hebrew word for this word responsive, your heart was responsive, the actual Hebrew word is tender or soft. Okay, and see the, the opposite of a hard heart, the hardening of the heart, which is usually accompanied by pride, which is what uh, Pastor Ronald preached about last week. This tender hearted, Humble response to hearing God's law caused Josiah to go further than the reforms he had already begun Now He had already started destroying idols and tearing down these high places He had uh, rebuilt the temple But after he heard the words of the law He inquired further about God's will from one of the prophets He gathered the elders of Judah and all Jerusalem He read the book of the law to them He renewed the covenant with them Then they celebrated the Passover, kick-starting worship that followed the instructions of the law, something that had not been done since the days of the prophet Samuel. That means since the the days of King David, basically, and and early days of King Solomon. Uh, After that, Josiah got rid of mediums, spiritists, household gods, and even more idols. All this in accordance of the book of the law. You see, true conviction should be followed by application. Josiah didn't just stop at preventing idol worship at the high places. That's what some of the kings before him had done. They said, okay, we tear down these high places and then that was it. After they were gone, the people just rebuilt them. Uh, He didn't just do that, that little bit. Josiah wholeheartedly renewed the covenant. And that covenant had a very binding, explicit terms. To say that if you don't keep the covenant, these are the curses that befall you, including exile. Now unfortunately, after Josiah died, the people of Judah just went back to idol worship. Uh, this, this just shows why Jesus had to come to redeem mankind from their sins. But that's a whole other sermon. Now, as I, I, I think I mentioned before, part of the, the role of small groups and fellowships is to hold us accountable to the application part of what we learn and study. But even our response to that accountability needs to be tender-hearted. Now, what do I mean? We should be open and willing to be held accountable. And that can't happen if we refuse to participate in personal sharing or just share at the surface level or make general comments. We should also be open to loving rebuke one of the roles of the, the prophets in the Old Testament is rebuke. In the New Testament, is the church's role. When fellow brothers or sisters point out the truth because they love us and not because they want to tear us down, we need the humility to examine ourselves and if we are convicted, to humbly repent. In Josiah's case, his humble repentance may not have made a, a long-lasting difference in Judah's future, but it certainly made the difference in his lifetime. He was shown the mercy of not going through the horrors, of going through the, the being late siege, uh, seeing the destruction of the temple, seeing the destruction of Jerusalem, being taken away in chains and blinded like his son was. Therefore, friends, in conclusion, I'd like us to know Know that God's Word is our primary source of truth and His will. Be be tender-hearted in how you respond to conviction of truth. And do, examine God's will. Examine yourself. Allow yourself to be held accountable. This MYF Sunday, we've just looked at Josiah, uh, who was a young man with a terrific start. He had a pretty good finish. He was mourned, he was missed when he died. So for those who are as young or younger than 26, which is Josiah's age when most of this happened, it is never too early to think of the sort of legacy that you will leave behind. How will you contribute to the future of this church? How will you contribute to the future of Malaysia? How will you contribute to the future of this earth? And for the rest of us who are more advanced in years, what sort of future are we living to our youth? So whenever truth convicts you and invites a response from you, will you respond like Josiah with a wholehearted desire to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? May we pray. Loving Father, we thank you for the example of Josiah and many other young people who show us that age is never a handicap in following you. We pray for the truth of your word to find in us good, tender soil as we follow you in humility and, where needed, repentance. May we seek you with a wholehearted desire to always do what is right in your eyes. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.